You are listening to the podcast of New Life Church in Wayland, Michigan. Our longing is to see zero people in our community living unchanged by Jesus. We are a church navigating the messiness of life together in community. One of our core convictions is that everyone is welcome, no one is perfect, and anything is possible. I hope you know there is a place in the family for you here. For more information on gathering times and location, check out our website. But for now, I hope God speaks powerfully to you through this word. Well, good morning. Um, thank you guys for, for joining us here this morning. Uh, I just, I needed to take a quick survey right off the beginning here. Who here likes Brussels sprouts? Wow, there's a lot more than I thought. Okay, who, who didn't raise their hand because they've never tried Brussels sprouts before? Nobody, okay. That's good. Well, I, I was an absolute Brussels sprout hater when I was a kid. My, my mom used to make them quite, quite often. She would uh, make them for herself. She'd throw them in the oven, put the salt and pepper, and she put the cheese on there. I think just to uh, make it a little more unhealthy. But, but I never wanted to try them. I thought those looked disgusting. All I knew about Brussels sprouts is the book, you know, the, the Franklin books, Franklin the Turtle. And he hated Brussels sprouts. So I decided I'm going to hate Brussels sprouts too. And it took me to be 18 years old and go off to college to finally try Brussels sprouts for the first time. And I tried them, and I, I, I remember I was at this restaurant, and they were like caramelized with some bacon on them. Oh, they were so good. And since then, um, whenever Olivia and I go out to eat, we always see, do they have Brussels sprouts? We call them Brussels. If they have Brussels, we get them. We love them. So, um, but for, for me, it took me to actually try Brussels sprouts for myself, right? I, I've, I've heard about them, and I heard they're supposed to be gross because they're green, and you, green's nasty. But I actually had to try them for myself and to actually know that I, I, I really love Brussels sprouts. And so today, I kind of want to look at the same idea of that actually we need to actually experience Jesus for ourselves to actually know the love of Jesus. And some of us, we might have we've heard the name of Jesus before. We've heard Jesus preached here. Maybe we've spoke about Jesus ourselves to other people, or we've, we've read his word. We've prayed prayers to Jesus. But for some of us, we need to actually experience the love of Jesus for ourselves in order to know who he truly is. Uh, so before we, we jump into our, our text here today, let's, let's uh, have a word of prayer. God, just thank you again for, for what you're doing here at New Life. And God, we just thank you for um, the ways that you are moving. Um, God, help us just to, to not be a church that just misses what you are doing, but a church that sees what you are doing and give you the glory and honor and praise for it. And God, we just pray today as we are um, in your word in, in John chapter 9, would you just speak to us through your word? Um, just let us leave here differently. Let us leave here changed um, because we have an authentic experience with you here today, God. We just love you. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 9. Uh, this is where we're going to be today. Uh, we'll start in John 9, 1 through 7. It says this, As he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. 
As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud and with saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. So I just want to point out really quick here in our story that um, Jesus says that he is the light of the world. This is a, a common theme throughout the book of John. Uh, Jesus talks about himself as the light of the world quite often. And actually, this theme starts right in the first chapter, in John chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. Um, it says this, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. See, Jesus is the, the person who moves people from their darkness into the light. He moves people from captivity into freedom, from pain to peace, from suffering to, the, to joy. Right? He, he, he brings them out of the darkness into the light. We see that all throughout the book of John. And we see, as we continue reading in this chapter today, we'll see that the blind man had the same experience. He got to ex actually experience Jesus moving him from darkness, like actual, like physical, I cannot see darkness, to light. And so, as we, as we get to think about this blind man throughout this story, there's also some other characters, some other people groups in our story here today. And they have a lot of barriers to experiencing Jesus. They have a lot of barriers to experiencing the light of the world, that is Jesus. And so the first group of people that we see are the disciples. The disciples, they have a, a big barrier to experiencing Jesus, and that is that they are just asking all the wrong questions. Right? The, the, the first things the disciples ask is, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? And so they're, you see, they're, they're asking this question because during that time, they, they would believe that if someone had some sort of physical ailment, somebody in their family line would have sinned. There would have been some major sin happening in their family line. And so they ask this question, who sinned, this man or his parents? And so they're, they're asking this question. They're, they're starting to try to get all theological and, and super heady, and they want to make faith super abstract. But what does Jesus do? He says, and he spits right in the dirt, and he touches his spit and makes mud and puts it on this, this man's eyes. See, so while the, the disciples are arguing and, and bickering over, over these theological questions, Jesus gets down to our level and uses this, he gets kind of nasty and, and gets down to the place where we're at. See, because Jesus is about getting down on our level so we can experience him for ourselves. He'll go down to any place, he'll become anything. See, Jesus was not afraid to do anything in order for people to experience himself. And I'll tell you, one of the best things for me was coming to a church like New Life with a pastor like Brad. I, I went to, to school at Indiana Wesleyan, and my time there, you know, I studied ministry, and so I, I had a lot of conversations about theology and super heady stuff, and I, I met a lot of intellectual people who, who made faith very intelligent. And when I got here, and Brad was just so adamant about just, it, it, you know, as, as important as those things are, we need to be able to get down and get messy with people, just like Jesus did. And so maybe for some of us, we are like the disciples and we're just asking the wrong questions 
Maybe you're caught in this, this game of shifting blame every which way, just like the disciples did, who, who sinned, this man or his parents. And maybe you're stuck pretending that, that everything in your life is perfect, so you don't want to get down and get messy and spit in the dirt and make mud with your saliva, just like Jesus did. And I'll tell you, that is a huge, huge barrier to experiencing Jesus for yourself if you're not willing to do what Jesus did. So that was the disciples. We'll, we'll keep reading here in uh, John chapter 9, verses 8 through 13, to meet our next group of people. It says this, His neighbors and those who had formerly, formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go wash in Sloan, to go to Sloan and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been born blind. So in this, in this passage, we, we get to meet the neighbors, right? The neighbors of the man who used to be blind but now can see. And so in this passage, the neighbors, they start off by asking a question, and they say, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? They see, man, this dude's standing here now, but wasn't he the guy that, that sat there? And some of them said, yeah, it's, I think it is the same guy. He used to sit right here all the time, and now he's walking around, he can see. But other, but other of the neighbors, they said, no, it's not the same guy. There's no way it's the same, the same guy that used to sit here. And so they ask him, are you the same guy? Or, or they, actually, they don't even ask him. The, the man just says, I am that guy. I'm that guy, pal. And he, <laughs> he, uh, he says, I am the man that used to sit here and beg. And so they ask him how can you see now? How, how in the world can, how can you see? And he just, he just tells them the story of what Jesus did. He didn't make it all theological and heavy and, and talk about the character of Jesus, but rather he just told them the story of what Jesus did for him. You see, the neighbors, they, they couldn't bring themselves to believe this because they've probably seen this man day after day after day, week after week after week, month after month after month, year after year after year, watch, walking by this man who sat there blind and now he can see. There is no way. Every day on my way to work, I see this guy sitting right here, blind and begging, and now he can see there is no way. Every week on my way to the temple, every week on my way to church, I see this man sitting right here, blind and begging, and now he can see. There is no way. And you can see for the, for the neighbors in our story today, they were just super cynical about what Jesus could actually do for them. There was so much cynicism that there's, there's no way that this man was blind and now can see. And so for the neighbors, their cynicism got in the way of experiencing Jesus for themselves. And maybe some of us today here in this room or watching online, maybe some of us are just like the neighbors where we're just so cynical that Jesus couldn't do a work in me. Jesus couldn't do a work in my heart. Jesus couldn't do a work in my spouse's life or my neighbor's life or my friend's life. Jesus knows that, man, I messed up big last night. Jesus knows the sin that I've committed over the last week, month, year, lifetime. 
There's no way Jesus would change something in my life. There's no way Jesus would want me to experience him. There's no way Jesus would want me or my, my spouse to experience himself. My spouse is so messed up, there's no way Jesus would allow them to experience himself. Some of us are just so cynical that Jesus wouldn't do that for us. But man, I'm telling you, he will. We, we need to move from this posture of cynicism to a posture of expectancy. And that, that's, it's super, super difficult to do this sometimes. But I think if we want to do that, the best thing to do are super, super simple. And one, maybe we just need to start reading our scriptures, right? We can look in John chapter, in the whole book of John, and just see the, in the ways in which Jesus ex- lets people experience himself. Maybe for you this week, you need to open up the book of John and just start reading and just seeing the stories where Jesus is light in the darkness for people. Or maybe you haven't spent time in prayer in a long, long time. Or maybe you haven't spent time in extended prayer for a long time. And maybe you just need to start keeping track of a prayer journal and writing down the prayers that you pray and then writing down the answers that you get. And just get to see the ways in which you experience the light of the world, the ways you experience Jesus himself through your prayers. Or maybe some of us haven't, we, we just attend church super inconsistently. We just are here every, every once in a while. And maybe for you, you just need to make Sunday mornings a priority to be here every Sunday to be able to experience what we're experiencing right now and just be able to worship together with a group of believers and get to talk with groups of believers that are also chasing after Jesus and experience with Jesus. And you get to, to bounce ideas. I mean, how are you chasing after Jesus? How, how are you doing that? And how, how have you seen Jesus this week? And I'll tell you what, that's going to shift a mindset for you from this this place of cynicism to a place of expecting Jesus to do a work in you. And so that was the neighbors. They were super cynical. That was was their issue. That was their barrier to experiencing Jesus. But we have another group of people that we'll look at here in John chapter 9, verse 14 through 16. It says this, Now the day on which Jesus has made the mud and opened the man's eyes with the Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees... Oh my goodness, let me me just restart here. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes with the Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. So here we are meeting our third group of people in the text here. This is the Pharisees. See, the Pharisees, they, they ask this, this guy a question. They say, well, how, how can you see? How, how did you gain your sight? You, we, we've been told that you were blind, but you wrought to us, and you're, here you are looking at us. How is this, how is this possible? And so the, once again, this blind man answers the question and just tells the story of what Jesus did for him. And for the Pharisees, they, they just could not, they could not believe this. They couldn't believe that this would actually happen. And why? Because they weren't, they weren't so enthralled with this miracle that this guy was actually blind and now he sees. They, they, didn't, they, weren't, they weren't amazed by that. They were just so stuck in this idea that, well, he did it on the Sabbath, 
so it shouldn't really count. Right? They, they were so mad that there was a spiritual ritual that they had, this religious ritual, they couldn't get over the fact that there was a miracle that happened right in front of them. So the, the Pharisees, they missed out on experiencing Jesus because they were stuck in their religious traditions and they had to stick to their spiritual systems. If we are most concerned about keeping traditions, presenting as perfect, and staying away from the messy, we probably aren't following Jesus. That's what the Pharisees did. This is what, exactly what the Pharisees did. They're probably not following Jesus. I mean, some of us in our, in our church and some of us just in the church in general are so concerned about the traditions of the church that we miss out on experiencing Jesus. We miss out on, on, on where Jesus might be leading the church to next. My, my mom, she just started about a year ago playing pickleball. I'll tell you what, she, she will tell you stories. If, if she sat here right now, she could talk to you for probably four hours about, about pickleball. But she, she has gotten, she's taken it super seriously. She's gotten lessons and she's, you know, she joined this club and she plays four or five times a week. And uh, so she, she loves pickleball. And I, I went and played with her a few times. And the first time I played with her, she, was, she got, like, super frustrated with me. Because I guess what, the, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to just kind of tap the ball right over the net. It's kind of like tennis. You tap the ball right over the net, and so then the other person taps it right back. So you, you don't want to get it too far over the net, because if you get it too high over the net, the next team just slams it on you. And being the young, athletic guy that I am, I decide, no, I'm not, I'm not doing any of this little... Thinking, I'm just going to smack it as hard as I can every time I touch the ball. And she got super upset with me. Well, not super upset, but she just got frustrated with me. Like, like, that's not how you're supposed to play. I said, Mom, is the goal of pickleball to, to little, do little dinks, or is the goal of pickleball to win the game? And that kind of, she's like, well, no, you're supposed to dink. Well, is the point to get to 11 points first, or is it to play the game the right way? You know, I think so many of us in the church, we do the same thing where we make church about something rather than Jesus, right? The, the point of what we're doing here is just to further the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And we make it about the, the, the color of the carpet, the light show, the, I mean, are we playing drums too loud? We make it about that stuff instead of about Jesus. And we, we get so upset that somebody is in here. Man, if, if people came in through these doors and saw this person worshiping with us, man, what would they think? And that is not following after Jesus. We get so upset because the kids' ministry is too loud and they're, they're making, causing a ruckus back there and we can't, we can't hear them. <laughs> we can't hear them. Or we can't hear what's going on in here. But man... What's going on back there is just as important as what's going on in here. We get super upset because someone sat in my seat today and I can't worship the same way because I'm not in my seat where we put tables in the sanctuary. Man, that's not how church is supposed to be done. Man, that is so secondary compared to the mission of Jesus. And how about this one? Pastor reads out of the ESV instead of the KJV. I'm telling you. Newsflash, the Bible wasn't written in English. 
But either way, if, if, if the ESV helps transform somebody's life, what, what does it matter? What does it matter? And there are so many things that we can get upset with because it's a tradition instead of actually pursuing Jesus. So the Pharisees, they were more concerned about the traditions than they were about the miracle that happened in front of them. But while all these people, the disciples and the neighbor and the Pharisees, they're bickering and arguing and, and they can't seem to quite put the, put the exclamation point on what happened, there's this guy, our main character in the story, the blind man, who gets to have an up-close and personal and, and just experience with Jesus. And so let's take a, a quick look back through the progression for this man um, through this chapter. So in verse 11, he calls Jesus a man. So he says, the man they called Jesus put mud on my eyes, which I, I kind of thought back later and said, does this guy know how the mud was made? If he did, would the story be the same? But the man they called Jesus put mud on my eyes and I could see. All right, so he calls Jesus just a man. And then in verse 17, he calls Jesus a prophet. Right, so it's just some sort of spiritual figure, right? There's prophets in all the religions for the most part. He's just a prophet. He's a spiritual figure. And then in verse 33, the blind man calls Jesus a man of God. And so there's this progression. We see man, prophet, man of God. There's no way that Jesus could have performed this miracle without being sent from God. And then finally in in verses 35 through 37, we see, Jesus, we see the man accept Jesus as his Savior and worship him. So this progression of, of calling Jesus a man, just a man, that's all he was, was calling Jesus his Savior and worshiping him because he had this experience with Jesus. So super cool, right? This, this blind man gets to have this experience, and he, he moves from, from knowing about Jesus to having this deep, committed relationship with Jesus. Super, super cool, but let's not forget about those other three groups of people that we talked about and the barriers that they faced, and that a lot of us are probably facing these same barriers to experiencing Jesus today. So maybe you identify with the uh, disciples Maybe you identify with the disciples and you're asking all the wrong questions and you're making your faith super heady and knowledgeable and, and all you want to do is read your Bible so you can learn more and that's it. And maybe you're not willing to get down and get messy with people. For you, you need to get messy for people. You need to be able to step out of your comfort zone, step out of your safety net and get down with people that are, are broken and hurting and you need to do what Jesus did and get down for them. You need to look inside yourself, ask in your own heart, who in my life that I know, or maybe who in my life that I don't know, who would Jesus be spending time with? And then hang out with those people. Spend time with those people. Get messy with those people. Or maybe you don't identify with, with the disciples so much, but you identify with the neighbors. And you find yourself constantly just doubting what God could do. You're constantly doubting Jesus and how Jesus could actually transform your life. And for you, I would say, you just need to pray for faith. You need to pray for bold faith that you would be able to 
experience Jesus, see what Jesus is doing in your life. And I have some, some friends who, who aren't Christians and I, I've been able to share the gospel with them multiple times. And I remember the last time I shared the gospel with them, they, they pushed back and they said, well, why is there so many denominations and why, why is the church so split and, and the church has done this and that and this and that? And I was just able to say, yeah, you're right. The church is very split and there, there's a lot of things wrong with the church, but the church is made up of people and we serve a God who's above all of this. There is a God that actually has done so much good throughout the years. We can point to thing after thing after thing about what God has done in the people's lives in the church and outside of the church. And we get so caught up in the, in the negative. We, we're so cynical like the neighbors were. We need to move to this place of expectancy, expecting and waiting to see what God is going to do next. And lastly, maybe you identify with the Pharisees. Maybe, maybe you just struggle with letting go of, of the things that we used to do, right? Letting go of, of what the church is supposed to look like, right? letting go of, of how it's always been. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22, Paul writes that he will become all things to all people so that they might believe in Jesus. And maybe for you, you just need to let go of, of what you personally like, your preference, your preferences, your, your ideals of, about what the church is and, and how we're supposed to do evangelism and how we're supposed to do small groups and say, God, where would you lead us? Where would you lead me to next? Even if it's uncomfortable, even if I don't want to, where would you lead me to next? And so if you're like the Pharisees, you need to be willing to sacrifice everything for Jesus. Everything you have, you need to be willing to sacrifice for Jesus. Man, I don't know which one of these hits home the most for you. But what I'm asking you today is that whatever it is for you, I want to challenge you just to, to, to start removing these barriers, start stepping around these barriers so that you can experience Jesus for yourself. You can experience the love of Jesus each and every day to continue pushing the mission of Jesus Christ forward. With that, let's, let's pray as we, as we close in our last song. God, just thank you again for who you are. And Jesus, thank you for being a God that, that is, is willing to, to come down to earth and spit in the mud and get messy with us. Thank you for being a God that is, is willing to become anything in order to reach us. And God, we pray today as we, we just think about the barriers that, that we put up that we put up to, to experiencing you. God, help us just to, to remove those barriers. Help us just to look straight forward and, and see you and find ways that we can experience you, Jesus. God, we pray that you would move in our hearts. We pray that you would change us, that you would allow us just to experience your love. God, we just love you so much. We can't, we were expect, we can't wait to see what you're going to do in us. God, we just love you. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.